Welcome to The Nest Show, the podcast that brings you insights into the crypto market, trading and investment experiences, and what we're looking forward to as we navigate the space together. Before we get started with the show, I want to thank our friends and sponsors over at PrimeXPT, where many of our listeners have already signed up to trade by visiting theburbnest.com slash PrimeXPT. PrimeXPT is the most powerful trading platform offering immediate access to over 30 assets. Users may trade cryptocurrencies, Forex, commodities, stock indices, and much more, all from a single Bitcoin settled account. PrimeXPT gives experienced traders up to 100x leverage to multiply their capital while also providing users with multiple order types, low trading fees, and ultra high liquidity to equip them with a one of a kind trading experience. Registration does not require any user information. So visit the link below and start trading on Prime XPT in minutes. And now for the show. What the Nest Show is. This is a podcast brought to you by the Burb Nest community, an independent crypto and forex centered trading community built to sharpen each other in capturing opportunities in the markets while protecting capital along the way. What this is not trading advice. We are not financial advisors, and you should not regard any information here or in the Nest Club as financial advice. You should always consult a licensed financial advisor before making any financial decisions. Hey everybody, it's CryptoBurf here, and welcome to today's amazing episode of the Nest Show podcast, and I'm extremely honored to be hosting the show with having an amazing and truly inspiring guest one more time. Big chats. Welcome, brother. How is it going? Hey, what's up, man? Uh, I always get embarrassed with these really nice introductions, you know? I'm just happy to be here and kind of talking to you. So I'm just a regular guy like you, man. You're too kind, man. You're too kind. And I don't believe you're a special guy. You're a very special guy with special unique talents. And there is no way uh, you get away, you know, with just not bringing a couple of Gabriel Good charts later as we go and as we proceed. And... You know, not many of you perhaps uh, may be familiar, or at least I hope many of you is familiar. Uh, Big Chats was already an amazing guest, you know, back in April uh, to the Nestro podcast. And, you know, since then, there have been a lot of actual requests, you know, from uh, from my people, from my community uh, to bring back chats, to bring back chats, to put in, to put the charts on, to put his TA on technical analysis and whatnot. Uh, because, you know, the last show we had was pretty, pretty good fun, I gotta tell you, right? I truly need to admit that. And my very first uh, question is to you, what's good, what's changed, you know, since we last spoke in April? I think we're, we're older, I hopefully we're wiser. Um, I'm still working on that. You know, I think we're just further down the road. The market continues to mature. Um, you know, every day that the market continues to be stable is a good day because you want to build a stable market, a liquid market, a reliable market where you can exchange uh, shares on the bid and the ask. You want a functioning, you know, marketplace. And, and with that, guys like me and you can continue to learn and kind of offer knowledge and grow and just be part of it. So we're, we're more mature. We're down the line. Uh, we have, we're closer to the election. I think we'll t touch on that later. I think that will be kind of a pivot point in equity markets and crypto. Uh, so we just have more information and uh, we're still here. So <laughs> that's a good thing. Yeah, couldn't agree more. And, you know, I definitely think, you know, as long as you keep building, as long as you keep learning, and as you said, keep improving, you know, to bring, you know, this entire daily wisdom pieces into your, you know, surrounding. I think that's not only what makes us, you know, better people in general, but what makes us also a better, better traders, pretty much. And I want to say thank you, by the way. Let me jump in. You're, you, what's new also is uh, I, because of you, I registered for CMT, uh, and I'm taking my level one exam in December. So, awesome. Uh, I, I'm pretty well prepared. I still have some time to to go, but I'm, I've enjoyed it, and so I want to say thank you uh, for setting me on that path. Yeah, man. I mean, by all means, you know, I'm, I'm definitely sure this, you know, CMT association is going to gain one big player in, you know, on the board. So, uh, <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> we'll see. We'll, we'll see, done. man. Well, well done. done. Well done. Thanks, uh, yeah. And frankly speaking, yeah, you're welcome. Frankly speaking, you know, if it hadn't been for the virus and the pandemic, I would have already most likely be, you know, CMT2, you know, with the second level of the designation out of the free. Uh, you know, it was supposed to be held in June for the entire, uh, like, this examination period. 
But of course, because of the pandemic and virus, it was postponed until December. So my my plan of getting the full designation this year in 2020 kind of like, you know, turned into ashes. And uh, yeah, so I'm not really, you know, happy with that. Of course, as much as much unhappy as it can get, you know, when you compare that with overall global catastrophe, you know, that is going on with the COVID and stuff. Like, how is it going, you know, with uh, with where you are located, you know, for, for the COVID, for the pandemic? How is How does it look like? Thank you. Um, you know, schools are trying to, we're doing fine and we've hunkered down and we were able to uh, be in a place to hunker down and not have to worry about food and stuff like that. And, you know, my wife works, I do my thing and, and we've been lucky. Um, a lot of people are hurting. So I want to acknowledge that, um, you know, schools are opening now and it's, to be honest, I don't feel comfortable sending my kid back to school right now until I have more information. I think schools are going to try their best but I, I think they're probably just winging it, just like anybody else. They're just humans. They're just people, you know, working their jobs with, with incomplete information. So hopefully that goes smoothly and then kind of things can get more back towards normal. But um, I still feel like we're in for a bumpy ride the next couple of months, globally, domestically here in the U.S. Uh, I think it'll be, it's going to be turbulent, unfortunately. But I do see kind of some calmer waters uh, after that. Yeah. Yeah, I'll tell you what, I mean, in Poland, when, it, when we compare that, you know, situation with Poland, I guess people and media will tell you that it's all kind of like settled already, you know, that many, many of the, you know, there are not many cases, you know, which is kind of like piling up anymore when you compare that with the statistics, you know, back in March and in, in April, let's say. Uh, and I 100%, you know, understand your concerns regarding, you know, sending back schools, uh, you know, the, the kids to school. Now, although I'm not having my kids yet, right? That's uh, that's yet to come all of it. But um, all that I know is the entire uncertainty level, let's say, the un uncertainty regarding you know the sentiment of people of the of the entire society against you know what to do, how to do, is just pretty much what you described. I mean, people are lacking the information and the very basic information that helps them make decisions, right? So every, every, I would say, like this entire infrastructure, informative infrastructure is pretty much not working well, is it? Yeah, I think, I mean, we could go in a lot of different directions, but I think um, people don't always get this information from the same places. They don't trust it. There's a kind of whole conversation about that. Um, I think like we just have to see what happens. I think you have to make the best decisions locally for yourself that you can and for your family. I would preach caution maybe if you can to be more cautious. Not everyone could be cautious. Like people, like, not everyone has the ability to just stay home. Like people have to go work, especially parents with kids. So it's like, it's everyone's in a jam right now. And um, I don't, I don't know how it's going to work out, but I hope it, I hope it works itself out soon. I mean, it's, it's tough. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. But are, are you are you perhaps aware, like more statistically speaking, are, did, are you guys having any any sort of like statistics that they feed you with, that they provide you with to make sure that you are staying safe out there regarding this COVID stuff? Um, where I live, we're doing pretty well up here in the northeast of the U.S. Uh, different states have had different kind of um, have different uh, timing to their their curves and whether they flattened and how they flattened and all that. I, I just maintain that as, as people are heading back to school, it's post Labor Day, you're going to see another bounce and you got the flu season coming. Uh, I don't know if we, st if testing's where it needs to be, you know, it's not a political statement, but for people, anyone to go get a test they want and get the results within maybe a couple days. Without that, I think, you know, if you have to wait a week, what's the point, right? So I think we still have a ways to go. And as people go back to school, it's going to get, um, we're going to see kind of a, a flare up, unfortunately. Uh, where I am, we're doing okay. But like I said, people are starting to go back to school. So I'd like to get some more information about how that's going to work out. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. And, you know, I'm asking because there's just been kind of like a news on my, you know, I mean, not necessarily directly on my end, but on my friends and, you know, that some of them, for example, because they took down all the limitations in Poland. They, they kind of like, you know, just make them vanish. They're not really uh, too much, I would say, lockdown at all. And until you're on the quarantine, right? Uh, but there, like a couple of my friends, pretty much, <clears throat> again, that I've not really met in in, in weeks, uh, or in months, should I say, uh, they, uh, as far as I know, very recently, you know, have attended some sort of like concerts, like some limited concerts, you know, that uh, like limited capacity, you know, for people, attendees. 
And it turned out after, I guess, two weeks, you know, that one of the organizers, you know, for the concert was some was somehow, you know, suffered from from the COVID. And uh, and it, you know, and it didn't really, uh, you know, come out for the news until very recently. And, you know, the way that I would say a local uh, administration, you know, local administrations of, you know, of, of the of the people are aware uh, that the girl, that the organizer, you know, had the COVID. Uh, they told her pretty much to stay at home for the next couple of days, which means four to five days of, of quarantine, right? So on one hand, you are having like two weeks of quarantine, as far as I'm concerned, or 10 days because they, they change it. And on another hand, you're having, you know, somebody who may have literally got, you know, COVID, not only that the test was positive because the tests are said to be in not necessarily 100% accurate, you know, by, let's say, detecting COVID itself, but at the same time, some other viruses, perhaps. And so all of these things combined, it generates one big mess in misunderstanding because, you know, regulations on one, on one end, the theory in one, on one, you know, on one side, on another side, you're having the practice, which actually administration and government is not necessarily respecting, you know, after, after they issue that on themselves. So uh, this brings a very messy picture, very messy, very misinformed, very disinformed picture of, uh, again, of many inconsistencies regarding the information, regarding the actual practices. Uh, and that, I think you know, is exactly what brings a lot of emotions to this place, right? To this entire topic, I would say. Because many will tell you that it's a fake. Many will tell you that it's a scam. Many will tell you that it's a hoax. Uh, you know, the others will tell you, you know, the society kind of like splits into two and they start battling against one another. Yeah. It's crazy, isn't well, it's, it? It's, uh, human nature is tribal. Uh, tribal, unfortunately. I was thinking about this the other day. In America, it's a lot of people, not, you know, maybe half... So you take 25% far right, far left, or, and it, based on an issue, they they will follow the leaders. They don't have any principle. It's whatever their party thinks, okay, they're going to defend that position. So every, they automatically go there rather than kind of what's looking right or wrong and never, you can't admit that your side was wrong on something. Like that's not constructive. You have to admit you're wrong to learn and move on to have compromise. We have a system that rewards tribalism in America. Uh, and that's kind of gotten worse over time with how uh, congressional districts are drawn. Uh, so then the person who's in, in that power, in power in that seat, just wants to keep that base rather than, you know, play it into the middle. We don't have a, any play to the middle here in the United States. So people are getting their information from different sides. They're tribal about it. Uh, you also have a rush uh, to be first rather than to be right. Uh, so you get that uh, over time, you have people mistrusting information. Anybody can point to any network and say they were wrong about this. So therefore, I'm not listening to anything else. It's really easy to find an example to, to dis dismiss pretty much anyone or anything. So I mean, life's not perfect. You have to accept that people are error prone. And so you have to kind of look at the totality of what they're giving you, the person or the, the news site or whatnot. It's a tough time. People, like I said, people are tribal. I think that's the root of the problem is that too many people are tribal. Uh, I frankly can't stand it. That's why I don't watch cable news. I can't stand any of that stuff. I'm not interested in opinion in talking heads or what someone's opinion is. You know, like it's not my style. I can't. When I was younger, I was into it. I'm not there anymore. So that's that's how I feel about that. Yeah, and I think you know what what you're saying is very important because. Uh, you know, especially the point on the tribal nature of people, you know, and uh, it comes out more often than not that this tri tribal nature activates, you know, and starts engaging even more, you know, on the people's side when they are not lacking this sort of like a basic knowledge. And when they lack the basic knowledge, they would follow the lead of whoever, let's say, seems to have the knowledge in place, right? That's why people tend to follow like mindlessly, very often politicians, just as you said, or some, you know, people said to be authorities. Uh, but this tribal nature, I think it takes us, you know, um, to pretty much very, you know, in a very smooth direction um, to see how it actually, you know, applies to financial markets, because we all know, especially, you know, as traders and as, as, as technical analysts, as analysts, that this financial market, I would say, tribal nature again is exactly the same like people will follow the herds people would follow the crowds like the masses that's where you're coming you know with 
with the FOMO, fear of missing out, or fear of uncertainty, depression, when everybody's selling off. So this is, in my opinion, you know, as far as I'm concerned, this tribal nature principles that are connected with uh, behavioral finance as we as we talk. And so moving kind of like, you know, along this path, uh, I wanted to ask, like, what your current thoughts are on crypto with regards to all the news, all the recent, uh, you know, novel price action of, of Bitcoin, of altcoins, of DeFi? Is it a bubble? Like, what are your thoughts on that? So first of all, that was an excellent segue from tribal politics to uh, tribal economics and then into crypto. So that was a really nice segue. Uh, I mean, I love Bitcoin. Bitcoin's good. It's stronger. It's not, it's not in, in the ideal scenario, having held the 10.5K level on that weekly breakout. So we're past kind of an ideal scenario, but we're still you know, in a, in a great position. We'll, we'll jump into it more later. Um, plenty of opportunity to cement a, a, higher, a higher low kind of on, on these you know, higher timeframes, the monthly bull pennant. You know, kind of we're still in a really nice consolidation zone. Uh, DeFi is exciting. I don't really know anything about it. I'm not going to explain to you sushi versus yam or any of that stuff, but it's got price action. I'm into it. And if, all of know. a sudden, thousands of people got unsubscribed in here <laughs> because of the sushi and all these Uniswap badness. It's crazy, man. It's about that it. for sure. You know, I'm at a point where it's like where I wonder, do I want to learn what it is or do I not want to know? Because I'm... You know, I'm like you that that uh, I, I assume that the chart has everything. The chart has the most up-to-date information, right? Everything's encompassed, right? That's what we're taught. So do I really need do I really need to know if sushi's better than whatever? Maybe, I mean, maybe just to follow Twitter, but it's got price action, I'm into it, right? It's got a market, I'm into it. P I, I put my tweets out, people retweet it, I'm into it. You know, that's kind of how it works. At a percent, man. I mean... That, yeah, that's 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 what I think, you know, this entire philosophy of technical analysis is, you know, because it relies on one of the main principles that says that the market scans everything, right? That you don't necessarily need to search for any other sources of information because everything is impactful enough to print the candles, right? And everything is discounted in the candles. Uh, you know, this, of course, this, of course, is, you know, uh, you would see many people argue over that. Because, you know, as many as many technical analyst fans there are, you'll find, you know, on the opposite edge, you know, as many, uh, you know, so many, so many pretty much haters for that. So I think that to a bigger point is that uh, if someone has a system, a system that's working, it's not up to you to tell them it's wrong. It doesn't matter. Like if it works, it works. And like trading is like your style. I mean, you could do Elliott waves, you could do um, point and figure charts. You could do candlesticks. You could you just you could just pl play bull pennants. You could just play these dead cat bounces. A million ways to do it. If your system works, listen, people watching this. If you if what you're doing works, don't let anybody tell you it's wrong. Okay, they if they can't do what you're doing, that's on them. All right, you do you. You know, so it's not about like you know this is definitely what's right. But for me, I believe everything is in the chart because I can I can believe it is there. I can work with it. You know, every, it's what has happened. People, what's, your chart is predicting X, Y, and Z. Chart's really not about predicting. It's about kind of studying what has happened and maybe identifying a trend, ideally, and then kind of playing the trend in a certain way. And um, so I, it works for me, but for other people, if they disagree, I'm totally cool with that. I just hope it helps them in their strategy. You know what I mean? Yeah, of course. And, and I think, you know, there is a lot of truth in what you're saying, especially that I know that many, many people would actually prefer... Uh, to spend time chasing others' ideas, I mean, chasing others' strategies, you know, and what works for the for the other people, instead of, uh, you know, finding their own solution, finding their own edge, which again, more often than not, stems from being lazy, simply. People are lazy by their nature, right? Yeah. I think it's okay, though. I think in the process of developing your style, it's, it's okay to kind of imitate uh, try to emulate rather others. But if you're doing that, keep a journal and a log, how it's going, what you learned, what you didn't learn. Don't just throw your hands up. You know, if you're going to do it, kind of, you know, get something from it. Yeah, kind of, kind of percent, kind of percent. But what I meant instead is more that, you know, there are still those people who kind of like want to be spoon fed, you know, that they want to get served on silver plate and they would not fucking dare, you know, to just reach out to their book and see what the mud works for them because they're literally too lazy. They're just waiting for the ready solutions, right? I actually think that's okay. I think you have to have that in a healthy ecosystem, right? You have to have people who buy investment buildings and they want a property manager to run it for them. Then you have to have other people who want to buy it. They want to do the painting, the flipping, they do all of themselves. 
So in this market, it's okay if people want to buy signal alert services because without them, maybe you wouldn't have people doing what they're doing. You know, I think it's just part of a healthy ecosystem. Um, could they, should they learn, try to learn? Absolutely. And are there wonderful resources out there? You know, absolutely. Yeah, it's 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 at least, you know, this this financial market, you know, principles, they, they kind of like rely on the overall capitalism, I guess. And those who are better on the market, well, they deserve to be getting the reward after it, right? So as you were saying, it's an entire ecosystem, right, with with, with these people. And um, I wanted I wanted to also touch upon, you know, before we, uh, you know, roll over to to to, to some screen sharing and charts uh, for for our viewers. I wanted to quickly touch upon, you know, some fundamental changes and some different principles of new kinds that you might have noticed in the past couple of months since we last spoke in April regarding the legacy markets. Like, uh, you know, have you seen anything extravagant and extraordinary, you know, on gold, silver, on metals, on, on equities, uh, be it, you know, penny stocks or overall, I would say, you know, uh, the dollar index relationship with that, the dollar strength like how 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 would you comment on that? Well, I think it's been probably uh, let's just let's just um, acknowledge that since we last spoke in April, you know, when the price was I don't know like five or six k maybe. I mean, it's it's been an amazing run. So I think we have to acknowledge uh, the the bull staying power, but that's kind of it's piggybacked along with equities. So we've seen. I mean, I I honestly thought there was if you probably pulled up, pulled it up, I'm sure I must. I said like it's going lower and. You know, doom and gloom, because I, how can the world shut down and it not have another leg down? And it didn't. So that's humbling. I didn't know what I was talking about. That happens all the time, by the way. You know, and since then, we've just been climbing. So equities have been impressive. And with that, you've had the weakening dollar. You have the inverse relationship. Obviously, uh, you know, the weakening dollar, it's strengthening equity markets and obviously precious metals as well. And gold, you know, when when you know the, the, we have the economic crisis, the Fed comes out, they're talking about printing more dollars, pumping money into the economy and the inflationary aspect of the dollar, um, low interest rates are seeing that happen. It's just been steady and we making the new, we made the new highs and it's like you tip your hat, you know, tip your hat to the market. Um, I think a good metaphor people have talked about the, um, I, don't know, I probably don't know if I can do it, but the K-shaped recovery, right? Where the people who are at the top, so you have a K-shaped recovery. Money's pumped in and, you know, who writes the bills, right? Who writes the bills that go through Congress? The people in the middle and the top, they get better and the people at the bottom, they get squeezed more. So that's the K-shape recovery, not a V-shape, not an L-shape, not a whatever, you know, a BBQ-shaped bottom, but a K-shape bottom, right? So you're seeing that. It's been pumped in and where are gonna, people going to put that money? Where are they going to? They have to invest it somewhere. It's been going in the market. Gold's been ripping. Now I've seen kind of, um, kind of a, a, a cooling off of that. Uh, and for maybe the last six weeks, I've seen uh, Forex traders, currency traders, others talking about dollar bottoming. And for a while, I'm thinking, where is it? I'm not seeing the strength because it kept, it fails, failed to break 94 and it kept kind of failing to kind of fall through. And, and the dollars had kind of, um, you can call it like a, like a falling bear flag. And we had some indication maybe breaking out of that, maybe, um, you know, the dollar is so important. So everyone's watching it. But if it was just a chart, and we were just talking about a random, uh, you know, penny stock with volume, not just a penny stock. We were talking about a random thing. I'd say, look, at, we'd be saying, man, look at this trend. And you have to assume bears are going to continue. You know, we, you know, we'd be saying you shouldn't be trying to guess the bottom here. And you know what I mean? It's, so a lot of people are putting faith in the dollar that, that's going to bounce. Perhaps it's based on reasons outside of the chart. Because looking at that chart, there's no reason to just assume the thing's going to bounce. Do you see what I'm saying? Of course I do. <laughs> of course I do. And, uh, you know, it, it, actually, it actually makes me smile a little, bit, a little bit because the truth is, you know, the way it looks on my end, at least, uh, from my, let's say, commentary point of view in here, uh, I, it just makes, you know, makes this impression that, especially accounting the overall close to 30% increase in the M2 aggregate, you know, the monetary supply increase over the year, since when you compare the same months in 2019 and 20. Uh, it's it would not only mean you know that uh, the overall dollar strength is way way you know just weaker I say, and that the same thousand bucks you know of two thousand twenty is kind of like less way more uh, sorry well uh, way less when you compare that with two thousand nineteen, and this just again I think makes this entire two thousand twenty crash this entire two thousand you know two thousand twenty I would say economic situation. So, um, 
you know, so crazy at the rates unseen ever before. Not only, you know, the entire crash was said to be, you know, the sharpest, I mean, the the, the, the most traumatic, you know, since, since the actual, you know, uh, 28th, uh, I mean, like 1928, you know, of the, of the you know, the most famous, most famous crash. Um, but this entire picture just tells me that, uh, you know, the central banks, the Fed, you know, they will literally do anything, including, you know, limiting down the shorting, limiting, closing down, the, you know, the exchanges just to make people stop shorting. Like I was watching this live and I was like waking up every single day, you know, and I just look at a chart and I was like scratching my head and what are they doing? How is that even possible? How is the legal? How are they not shitting, you know, just spending time in jail, right? It's literally the market can't go down. On. They can't let the market go down. That's it. It's just not... <laughs> yeah. it, why, you know, they're running the game. The casino's not going to let themselves go bankrupt for the most part, you know? They're running the game. That's super crazy, uh, you know, because, again, uh, I was actually seeing one of the tweets, I guess, from, you know, of, of my followers or whoever that was, you know, that... Um, that they were saying that if they were the ones to print the money, they would be put in jail. But if the government does it, it's all okay, right? It's all of a sudden, everything's good. And that, uh, you know, and you have this vision of never-ending bull market, you know, across, across the charts. And that's the next point that I wanted to touch upon with. And perhaps if you are uh, ready to share your screen with, uh, with the audience, Buency is an innovative new cryptocurrency exchange with a focus on transparency, convenience, and regulation. All assets are fully protected and insured against theft and hacks. Start trading today at theburpness.com slash Buency. And uh, Chad's brother, I wanted to kind of like touch upon the overall outlook of yours on how it's looking on S&P 500 equities, the index, uh, regarding, you know, this entire period since the March's crash, like, what are your thoughts regarding the new all-time high and what do you think are the next directions to follow? So before I even, uh, so here, I have the chart in front of me here, we're on a daily chart. Um, before I even get into that, I, I, I'm under the premise that the Fed and kind of those who control the market, they're not going to let this current paradigm change until after the, the November election. So I think we're, we're not going to have any drastic moves. If anything, we're going to keep going up, but I wouldn't see it, you know, dipping off because the Fed doesn't want to be seen as maybe uh, putting their finger in the scales, maybe one way or another. So status quo is the safest play. I th so I think we're going to be in status quo, which means it's a secular bull market. We're in a secular bull market. You have kind of an incredible, obviously an incredible period of volatility. Uh, you know, we were down to whatever, like under 2K or at 2K. Uh, the world was falling apart. A lot of people like me didn't think we were going to bounce. And I remember with uh, my buddy at Big Chonus, we were sitting around watching CNBC and everyone was saying, oh, we're nibbling on this and we're nibbling on this today. And we were laughing like they're not buying anything. These people aren't nibbling on anything. You know, it turned out they were doing it right, you know, and they bought the dip, uh, which kind of goes to a great principle uh, where you want to buy the fear and sell the greed. And people were, were really buying at a discount. Uh, someone like me is probably was probably expecting some kind of rejection at kind of your all-time high there. It didn't quite happen. You broke through. You didn't have your ideal throwback where you kind of held on, held support there. We're kind of up underneath it, but we're right at it. You know, that kind of brings you to me to a kind of interesting point where, you know, with, with diagonals more than horizontals, but with these, with these kind of resistance lines, you want to have a little filter around them. You know, it's not an exact number. You kind of want to have a general sense of that zone. Maybe you kind of make the argument we're kind of still right at it. Uh, you haven't quite lost its support, but it's not your ideal kind of your first case scenarios where boom, right bounce off of it and then keep going. Um, we're probably going to be range bound. I don't know. We're going to be range bound. We're above the MA200. You're going to see the rise in MA200. We're going to kind of rise with it probably for the next couple months uh, is my guess. Like I said, I don't see things changing uh, before the election. Uh, after the election... From November to, to January, it's going to be crazy volatility uh, because you're going to have domestic strife. Uh, regardless of who wins, the other side is not going to be happy. We'll probably take to the streets uh, and then hopefully things will settle down once we've gotten that out of our system here as a country. Uh, and so that's kind of what I, hopefully that answers what, you know, where you think I'm at on the market. Yeah, I think, you know, I think that's, that's perfectly said. And the truth is, that I'm, you're exactly sharing my thoughts, you know, Chats. Uh, I was I was thinking exactly the same. That Trump 
you know, Donald Trump, no matter, uh, you know, again, no matter people like him or not, he's steering the wheel right now. He's at the steering wheel. He tells Fed what to do. You know, the Fed is literally, again, can they can print the money out of nowhere, as we already know. They can buy back entire market out of it. You know, they can do whatever, whatever the fuck they truly want. And again, with the elections right around the corner, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't it uh, November the 3rd? November 3rd, but I, we're not going to know. I believe we're not going to know an election night. You have a lot of mail-in voting. It might take a couple days in some of these states. So it's really more like election week, okay. but it's, it's, it's November 3rd. Got it. Yeah. Uh, again, so one way or another, you know, the first, let's say, week of November, uh, until then... You know, I would most likely see the scenario that Trump just pretty much keeps doing what he's been doing, you know, uh, to just sustain the momentum that he's created. Uh, and then again, use this, use this, let's say, green charts across, you know, the markets for him, right? Especially the equities, which can be bought back, you know, but via corporate bonds or, or you know, just stocks themselves. Uh, and they would just keep this rallying, you know, until the elections at least, and this is going to become, you know, the huge, let's say, quote unquote, edge of his, you know, against other, you know, presidential competitors of Trump, of Trump uh, because he's going to tell you, like, you know, if you watch his, if you if you watch his tweets, you already know what I'm going to say. But he's going to, you know, I'm the best president. I've, you know, the economy has never been stronger. Like the charts have never been better. Uh, new all-time record highs in every single chart, and so on and so forth. It's like so hilarious to watch this, and I just cannot really uh, stop thinking that he would do really, you know, I don't see him doing anything different to this. Well, so here's what I think. I think I, I really agree with most of what you said, uh, if not all of it. I think, um, first of all, in my opinion, it's going to, the market goes up regardless of who's going to win because corporate interests here in America control both parties. They're going to write legislation, the legislation that gets passed. Look what happened under Obama. You had like a rip your face off stock market rally. And under Trump, you had an excellent continuation of that. So it's going to go up. I don't say that one side or another is going to tank the market. Okay. There's going to be instability in the interim for a couple months. But if Biden wins, the market's going to keep going up. Where are the rich people going to put their money? All right. Don't tell me it's going to crash. You're being partisan. It's just not how it works. These people have to put their money somewhere. It's going to go into the market. Any legislation that's written is going to be written by the moneyed interests who control this country. So let's all relax. Okay, it's gonna be fine. Uh, in the in the interim, okay. Now we're gonna have a we're gonna have a spike, a Labor Day spike, in people going back to school. So you might see a little dip in the market, maybe some more Fed intervention. And by the end of the by no by election time, we're probably at a minimum right right at this level. Maybe we do a rectangle right for a while, but we're right here. We're not gonna go too much. If we go down, they're gonna they're gonna help it up. We're gonna have, I think we're gonna have another little blip probably from the delayed Labor Day effects and people going back to school. You might see a little bit of uh, uncertainty, Fed intervention, boom, right back to here. What you're going to notice in here is that, first of all, this is, a, again, some sort of like a similar situation. Uh, in my opinion, regarding, you know, first of all, the Zotem highs that got broken, that technically will tell you that, again, what we're seeing here is, is bullish, right? The, the, the charts will tell you that it's bullish. Uh, it doesn't matter pretty much, you know, that the, you know, the dollar has been the weakest, you know, in, in, in years, that the monetary increase, you know, so supply increased so much that again, it, it's so unhealthy and does sort of like rolling and dying inside. They will not tell you because charts are green, right? And that's what most, that's what's, uh, I guess, most important to people who are not really, uh, I would say, into healthy economics, let's say. And that again is like this unstoppable snowball effect of the inflationary system. And as you said, no matter who truly wins, you know, these elections, the markets in the long term are likely going to, you know, just go up, right? Uh, and, you know, this entire, I would say, inflationary bubble of dollar, I mean, there is no way it can ever, I would say, grow unstopped, that it can grow uh, limitlessly, that it can grow... Um, you know, infinitely, there's going definitely to be this one time in, in you know, uh, one point in time, I think, that this bubble is going to explode. And when it's going to explode, terrible things are likely going to happen across all the globe. And, uh, you know, I, I would I would literally see some military conflicts, you know, some legit, legit big words and so on. That's going to be definitely terrible. But before, and but before, again, you're going to notice uh, quite a similarity. I think you agree with me. You know, 
I'm not a big fan of uh, of what people, you know, uh, unconsciously call fractals. You know, what they call fractals, they would expect that whatever you see in the chart, you know, that needs to repeat exactly the same way. Uh, well, it's actually not not true at all. And uh, especially when you when you could just compare, you know, these uh, these both movements, they by structure move somewhat like similar, right? There is this entire resemblance like it resembles so much one after another you know the dips that they happen to have very similar formula on how they are solved and recovered right you see a sharp drop can i add a little i think i see it in a different context though because the 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 second one there what is that may june july that's right at the bottom of that gap right so you're actually below key resistance the one above it is is kind of at and above key key resistance so it's kind of a slightly different context i for my 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 gut is to avoid trying to to draw too much of a fractal between those two because the context is so different yeah i mean you know gaps are definitely you know just uh, one of the topics that i actually wanted to touch upon later later on today but uh again i'm not saying these are fractals i actually am saying quite opposite i'm not a big fan of calling everything fractal because people would call uh you know people would see a pattern let's say um or or you know a price you know price chart let's say a fraction a piece of it and they would think that the history repeats exactly 100 percent the same that you're going to see exactly the same formula exactly the same candles you know in the next in the next, let's say, uh, sequence, which is, of course, mistaken and wrong. Fractals and chart patterns are fractals, right? Are these structures that kind of like, when you go into the time frames deeper, you're going to notice that these bigger patterns, they consist of smaller patterns, right? So this is the fractal nature, let's say, of trends themselves that consist of smaller trends, let's say, the primary trends of bull markets, you know, they consist of secondary trends, especially if you have, let's say, again, a bull market, right? This is going to consist of some secondary trends, right? And these secondary trends are going to consist of uh, tertiary trends of daily fluctuations. That's and almost like Elliott is... wave theory, right? Where it's the exactly. wave within a wave. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. This is the fractal nature and patterns. Again, if there is, let's say, some head and shoulders formula, right? Some pattern, you're going to notice that perhaps on every reverse in here, when you go into the lower time frames, you're going to notice, right? That's what's inside is, for example, like a double bottom, right? Or again, head and shoulders at the very bottom of head and shoulders, and so on. So knowing that um, I'm not taking allegedly and literally these, uh, let's say, structures as fractals, all that I mean is that there is a certain level of, um, you know, of similarity across both of them, right? And uh, I mean more fundamental similarity, which means that, you know, I can tell that whatever dip is appearing, that it would be quickly bought up. Right? that it would be quickly bought up, most likely with, you know, with printed money, right? So, um, uh, and this, again, this tells me and kind of like brings me back to agree exactly with what you said, uh, that the markets are going to rally anyway, right? Technically, you're going to see most likely continuation after some short time, uh, you know, if not, if not, then what? Fed is going to just print more money and buy back this anyway, right? Yeah, that's it. I mean, the money has to go somewhere. Uh, that's the name of the game. It's the best game in town. Uh, so you might as well play it, right? Exactly. Exactly. Uh, you know, and I wanted to touch upon because we've uh, we've already kind of like covered, covered uh, indices and, um, you know, especially the, the S&P 500. Um, but... All that I mean is, especially when you go to precious metals, you know, gold and silver, I think what's really... Um, what's really surprising to me, and I wanted to definitely hear your opinion on that in a second. Uh, what's truly inspiring and, and definitely interesting to me is that I, you know, more and more as we proceed, uh, when you compare gold, silver, and Bitcoin, you're going to notice kind of like a lot of similarities in the types of movements they make, right? Which, in my opinion, more often than not, tells me that the same sort of like capital makes the same movements across these, these, you know, these markets. So again, it means that Bitcoin, in my opinion, is way more mature than it used to be a couple of years ago regarding the, let's say, the entire infrastructure, the market availabilities, the, the markets, you know, I would say allocation of big investors. Because same type of money sits in gold, silver, and Bitcoin. What is your opinion on that? 
I mean, I, I can I can agree with you and confirm it. I mean, for example, I trade uh, I trade on Bing Bond, and you can trade gold and, and crypto. And I do do some of the copy trading, and some of the copy traders, it's gold, it's crypto, it's a lot of the same money. And a lot of those people are looking at the dollar, and they're seeing the strong dollar, the weak Bitcoin, the weak gold, and they're kind of playing the reverse. So yes, Bitcoin market is more mature, more institutional money. Yes, easier access to market, right? Less barriers to market. Um, more mature players as well, not not just infrastructure, more mature players, more ways to play uh, all around, all good things, great continued kind of growth. Uh, so, you know, I'm, I was, you're talking about the gold chart and the gold chart itself. Maybe I'll just take a quick peek at it for fun. Um, I mean, it kind of looks like it's getting close to a, to a pivot, to a decision point here. You have, you know, strong move, right? And you kind of have this steep move as well, right? And when you talk about, uh, you know, these flagpoles, like the steeper the flagpole, the more likely you have continuation. So that shows likely continuation. Bollinger's are getting tighter. Obviously, you have this tightening range here, a uh, little bit of an equilibrium, right? The lower highs, the higher lows. So you can just looking, eyeballing this. You know, you and I have the muscle memory, Burb. We just look at this. We just kind of see things, right? We don't have to draw them. We see the tightening range. Uh, that's going to correspond. Most, most the, classical symmetrical triangle, if you ask me. Yeah, why not? It's right there. There's your, there it is. Boom. And uh, that was see. Look at me. I can't even do what you did. But um, whatever the dollar is going to do is going to make a big kind of impact here. So we're close to. I mean, if you wanted to play like some kind of a um, like a volatility straddle, this would be a great position for it. Where you have kind of a stop loss, maybe a couple standard deviations up or below, and you're playing for kind of a longer swing move. You're kind of in that type of a setup here with gold. So I think gold is close to making a move. You have to assume it's going to be bullish. We're in a bull trend. Hello, right? We've Since we captured the MA200, we've been rising. We've been crushing, crushing these highs, right? Crushing, right? Crush, crush, crush. Uh, strong and bullish. MAs are for the most part fanned upwards, even holding the shorter ones like the MA50, little touch there. Tighter Bollinger Band. I think we are uh, leaning towards breaking back up on the gold, uh, but depends what the dollar does. Yeah. That's true. I actually, you know, just perhaps a fun note. Uh, I, I, I bought a quite a big deal, you know, of gold and, and silver in the physical form of metal, of coins, you know, of, of, of the bars uh, back in July, in early July. And I just bought more more gold like a couple of days ago. Nice. Uh, because, because I exactly see the symmetrical triangle, which again, just perfectly as you described, you know, there is this strong ex exponential, I would say, you know, up thrust. Uh, after which, you know, again, more, more often than not, any sort of like continuation or consolidation pattern uh, points, you know, points out towards the consolidation, uh, towards the continuation, the upside trend. And, uh, you know, on top of it, when you, when, you, when you switch, you know, for example, to the, to the silver chart, this is going to be exactly the same scenario. So uh, I didn't only manage in time, you know, to buy back, to buy more silver. Uh, but I'm definitely on my way, be it tomorrow or whenever, uh, to get a bit more silver. Silver looks uh, even yeah. better. Look at that. Silver looks it even does. stronger, right? It does. You have an even cleaner triangle. You didn't lose kind of, you know, you're, you're trading closer to the top of that range. So silver, I mean, you're you're smart. You know, you're doing what you're doing. You're buying an uptrend. You're riding the trend. So <laughs> looking, yeah. looking good, buddy. No, yeah, yeah. I, I think, you know, overall, especially if you if you take it, you know, and scale it, let me just actually show it around. What's kind of like, you know, easy to see is, you know, after we had after we had this big, you know, crash in 2008 in the real estate bubble, you know, the gold and silver, the prices keep surging, right? The prices kept surging. And, you know, after the bear market, let's say, you know, came into the, the metals, you know, for gold and silver, gold managed to recover faster. But the truth is that silver itself, you know, it stayed for such a long time, for seven years in total, inside a consolidation, inside a sideways movement, despite this, you know, overall down spike of more of, you know, of, of COVID dump, right? So um, what, you know, some people, all that I know is some people, let's say when there is a trend line, when the chart, you know, is just moving, when they would see, you know, a tiny, tiny spike below, for example, in the fast recovery, they would tell you, like, how is this trend line relevant anymore, right? How is it possible that, you know, uh, you know, the trend line is broken, right? It's invalid anymore, dude. Like, what are you, what the fuck are you doing even, right? And the truth is that many people would not really, I think, interpret it in the correct way because trend line, by definition, is a line that shows you the trend, 
right? And the, if the trend is up, then it just shows you the direction. It doesn't say that it's going to be like fucking to the single pip and point, you know, uh, respecting that. And uh, more often than not, the trends and supports and resistances, they do have deviations, right? You see a mo lot of like professional breakouts or, you know, fake outs, bull traps, bear traps, liquidation hunts, and so on. And for some, for some reason, again, majority would sell off exactly because they are read in the book that, you know, breaking support is bearish, so that it would sell. And people who are wiser know that the trend is still up, that the small tiny breakdown doesn't invalidate entire bullishness of, let's say, seven-year-long accumulation breakout that's just happening here, right? So for silver alone, I would definitely expect, you know, just us go even, even higher, you know, regarding the, the levels. I would definitely see us, you know, just going, uh, you know, towards new all-time highs. As long as silver follows gold, right, so well, and with kind of like a delayed format, and gold has just crossed new all-time highs, and silver is way more undervalued, right, then there is, you know, perfect reason for me to, to buy more, more silver. It's almost like people like to trade Litecoin maybe over uh, Bitcoin, because you can maybe get a bigger percentage gain uh, with silver, right? Yeah, and for the for the dollar chart, uh, you 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 like me to uh, to get one? Yeah, or you... yeah, because because okay. we're talking about the inverse nature, and it's I feel like it's at like a really critical kind of a pivot point here. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and for uh, again for the dollar index, right? Um, frankly speaking, again here I'm not necessarily the biggest fan ever of using uh, pure I would say non fundamental technical analysis, if you ask me. You know, uh, I would mainly, I would say, follow the actual, you know, trends, which are represented by, you know, the averages, especially the long-term ones, which is, if this is a monthly chart, then, you know, the black dotted line is going to be 200-month uh, average, the silver is going to be 100-month average, and the 50-month average is the green, uh, as the orange dotted line. And again, you you can tell, you know, you can apply some TA and say, okay, we found a local support after a big sell-off, you know, a breaking key, you know, resistant key support of, of, of MA50 and, and local price action, let's say, supports that resulted one way or another with a big sell-off candle. Uh, but again, some local support perhaps would more indicate to me that there might be, again, some local pullback, you know, perhaps to retest the broken, broken support, which based on the polarity change principle should turn into the resistance right now. Uh, but more likely, you know, with the most likely scenario that Trump is going to keep doing what he's been doing and keep, you know, printing money and keep uh, pretty much like, you know, inflating the economy until his elections at least, then more likely than not in the matter of couple of next months, I think it's more likely to, or years, it's more, it's more likely to, you know, just keep this inflationary model intact and on the record, right? And I would see overall decrease over the dollar uh, value against other, you know, currencies such as euro, for example, right? Uh, but again, you can you can argue over the supports and resistances in here, you know, that there is some sort of like a support, there is support, so there you could cluster cluster that supports into the demand zone. Uh, but again, overall, I would here mainly watch the fundamental aspects and the economic uh, fluctuations rather than pure TA. Like, what's your take on that, bud? Yeah, I think that that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I'm, I'm, I always, but I, you know, in addition, I feel like we're closer to a pivot, a big change. I'd almost want to look a little bit closer at daily chart, Burb, and kind of because it looks like we are, we're like we're right there. Um, yes, we should look outside the charts maybe for news that will affect the dollar, but you know, I think the daily charts telling us something too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's been definitely, you know, especially if you. Now, if we take the annotations here, uh, yeah, what we can tell locally, of course, supports broken, right? It was quite well respected because you see there was a tiny, tiny pullback right before, uh, you know, but then a strong thrust downside, you know, then breaking for another support instead of like feather bigger sell of that intensified on the momentum, again, which you could tell by the momentum getting steeper until it started sort of like switching losing the steam of the bearishness locally and started more like flagging or just going 
slightly more into the sideways direction. It's still, it's still in downtrend, but it's not powerful anymore, right? Uh, it's not as powerful anymore. And then you have, of course, the you know resistances of hundreds of, of 50 and of 200, um, which more often, you know, in, in this case, kind of like align well with, uh, with, again, with some clusters, right? As you perfectly said, with the clusters and zones rather than specific levels. Uh, so with that in mind, again, I think even if, if there is some upside potential, there of course might be some upside potential. I would not necessarily see it keep, that keeps it, you know, surging and, and pushing upwards like crazy. Uh, and instead, I would see Federer decline. Like, what's your take on that, Chad? Yeah, so we have what now, you know, we had kind of a, like a falling bear flag. Now it's what, like a broadening bottom. It's kind of a broadening pattern there in the bottom. Uh, and the question is maybe what's the, what's the, the, the signal going to be that we're going to make that push back up? I think maybe $94, uh, you know, those last couple highs there in the daily. So uh, I guess if we break up above 94, I think I might I get even more bearish on the dollar. I'm sorry, bearish on Bitcoin rather, um, you know, but if, 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 you know, if we get rejected here, looks we have a little bit of a rejection, but it's not no fall through yet. Um, in the last couple of days, I, if it does, then Bitcoin, let's go right back up above 10, five, let's hit that neckline at 11 K and, you know, let's see what happens. Um, uh, you know, when we talk about Bitcoin for me, the big level, why yeah. don't you throw in a chart? Yeah. Yeah. Just a little bit here. So I guess just like for me, daily, maybe weekly chart and really what was, um, I'll take off the Bollinger so it doesn't get too goofy. It's really just that 10.5 level uh, was kind of the ideal level I wanted to see hold. You know, as, as a general principle in 10.5 to 10.6, it's not exact, but given how long it took is you have a really lengthy period of time in between these attempts that adds so much significance uh, to this level. And the more times we've tested it and that the longer it went on, all those things make this such a kind of critical level. So for me, being back below it, uh, you know, it's, it's a bad thing. And as long as we continue to close back below it, you know, um, I'm going to be a little bit more bearish. Uh, yes, we have a little bit of a tweezer here, but you're in the, you know, you're, you're kind of in the middle of the channel, like these tweezer, tweezer bottoms, you want them at the, below the Bollinger Band, lower part of the channel. It's still early, uh, early in the week, so I'm not really going to jump in on just in that signal alone. Uh, should we bounce, and we'll go back to maybe daily chart. Uh, we talked about how we had kind of a head and shoulders here, uh, and you could talk about maybe like a wide left, narrow right, uh, head and shoulders, 11K neckline base, and, and your measured move was uh, pretty much, uh, that's a fib, sorry. Your, uh, your measured move was pretty much met. You know, I'm doing this kind of quickly here, but you pretty much met your measured move, right, of the head and shoulders. So I think that's played itself out uh, in terms of the move. But insofar as it's still being uh, important, uh, 11K on a retest to do that, you have to break through 10.5, maybe even intraday kind of just to um, get everyone liquidated. Maybe you break through and kind of get rejected, come back there. I mean, it, it's shenanigans right now. It is total shenanigans, uh, but you have to, in my view, lean bearish while we're below kind of 10.5K. Um, yes, we're in a, we're in some kind of a bear flag. Is it a bear flag? Is it a bear pennant? That's not that as important as identifying, uh, that you are in a congestion period following a bear move. So you're in a consolidation zone following a bear move, a steep bear move, which gives you a lean bear bias on which way it's probably going to break. I'll pull the Bollinger's back up. A uh, lean bear bias on which way it's probably going to break. You have clusters of support down here. You have a rising MA200, which I think might come into play. Should we drop and hit the MA200? That would still be an excellent higher low for us to continue on. So we're still we're still in a good, really good shape, but we don't have the ideal support, ideal support 10.5. Uh, so that's kind of what I'm looking for. And you've shared exactly to the single word what I was planning to say on Bitcoin. So it, it's kind of like, you know, <laughs> it wouldn't it wouldn't make sense for me to repeat exactly what you what you said. I think you described it perfectly. And Chad's brother, I mean, you've been so generous with your time and so amazing with uh, with showing off your charts. Um, before I let you go, I definitely want to uh, leave some final, uh, let's say, spots. You know, spot for you, the spotlight to share your thoughts on how to build 
a trading strategy for people who are watching this, who are perhaps struggling with finding their own strategy, their own system. Uh, what would you say is the golden recipe for that? I could probably go on for an hour, as I'm sure you could. Um, number one, uh, only use money you can afford to lose. Because if you, if you can do that, or maybe mostly afford to lose, because not everyone wants to lose money, you have to get the emotion out of it. Because when you can kind of, or limit the emotion, limiting the emotion allows you to fall through in your plan, okay? So now it leads me to a plan. You need to have a plan. When you enter a trade, you need to have a thesis, uh, an idea. And my thesis is we're bouncing off the MA200. My thesis is the uh, MA5 is crossing the MA10, right? And there's a close proximity to price. That's your thesis. And, and so that's your plan. So then you have your stop loss and you have to stick with it. So you have to have a plan for your entry and you have to have a stop loss based on where your trade idea falls apart. The rationale behind your trade idea fails. That's what's important, right? I'm entering because support's holding. Support breaks. You got to get out, man. It's not, I'm going to hold because I don't want to, I don't want to put a red in my, in my spreadsheet. I don't want to mark down a red. No, mark the red and then figure out what you learned from it, which leads me to the trading journal. You wrote down why you entered. You wrote down what happened. You have the pluses and minuses in the Excel spreadsheet and you used money that you could have afforded to, to lost. Now you do that for about five years. You get some experience right? Or you can start reading trading books. You can read Candlesticks by Steve Nissen. You can read Classical Charting by Shaw Backer, by a million other people. You can take the CMT level one. You can watch YouTube, Burb and I reach out to us. There's great people to watch. The information's out there, but you have to put in the time. So if you want to do it, put in the time, uh, make the mental commitment and do it. Trade with a plan, use a stop loss, use a trading journal uh, and use money you can afford to lose. That's the formula. Oh, I couldn't have worded up better myself, Jets. Hats off. Amazing, amazing, amazing quality words uh, to all the viewers and to all the listeners. And that's it, ladies and gentlemen. I'm extremely happy to have, you know, been having big, big chats on the show today to share all his amazing views uh, and share his talent with you guys. And I definitely want to make sure that you're going right away uh, to his Twitter account at BigChads. To throw in the follow there is no way you can miss out and not throw the throw in the follow on his profile amazing guy make sure to check out his uh my battles with cancer quite a quite a book uh in which perhaps uh shed you want to um perhaps add, add, add a couple words on that um of your story right because that's that's your story well thank you and and by the way uh Show Burb some love. He doesn't have to take this time to put together a high-quality podcast. These people that you watch and you enjoy, uh, take some time to kind of give them the feedback. That's why they do it. I know from personal experience, people say, I love what you're doing. I'm probably going to do it more. So give that feedback uh, and give him some love. Um, you know, back in 17, when I got involved in crypto, I also was diagnosed with cancer. So while I was going through chemo, I was learning about crypto. I was putting out charts, and I, and I took notes of my whole experience. Um going through cancer, recovering from cancer, uh, taking care of a, a loved, uh, a family member who had cancer uh, and, and took about two years. And I published that book back in June. Um, and so that's available on Amazon, My Battles with Cancer. Um, and maybe some of you might even be in there if you tweeted at me at the time. So who knows? But uh, yeah, thanks for, for letting me uh, talk about that. Yeah, Chad, I mean, by all means, again, I always believed in the people in this space, you know, with the big... Big profiles that have a lot to say, you know, and when you have a lot to say, you write a book on that. So definitely well done on that. Congratulations. And I'll make sure to bring it in the description to this podcast. And just as I said, guys, it's all. It's everything for, for today. I truly appreciate it coming and listening. Don't forget to subscribe. Don't forget to put in a comment for me and for chats. Share your feedback. Share your ideas. And let's show some love to amazing person that Big Chits is. Bixi is an easy-to-use cryptocurrency exchange. Get verified in minutes. Buy and sell popular cryptocurrencies on a safe, compliant, insured U.S. exchange. Enjoy everything you need in one place. A two-way ramp for major currencies, credit and debit card support, an industry-leading API, responsive customer support, and a five-star mobile app. Love your primary cryptocurrency exchange? If not, make the switch to Beeksy today. Visit Beeksy by clicking the link in the description. I'd like to thank our listeners for joining this episode of The Nest Show. 
If you've appreciated the depth and breadth of what you've heard with us today, subscribe to our podcast and find our landing page at theburbnest.com. We have a vibrant Discord community which acts as our central hub of operations, and we welcome you to join us at theburbnest.com discord. We also offer an extensive free bulletin on emerging crypto market trends, exclusive undervalued gem reports, and in-depth expert technical and fundamental analysis at thebirdnest.com slash bulletin. We always appreciate engagement from our community, which of course means liking the video and subscribing to our page, where we insist on bringing you the highest quality content available. Also, we're happy to incorporate tips and topics from our listeners and encourage you to email us at thenestro at thebirdnest.com. This podcast is brought to you by The Burb Nest. Thank you and trade on.